Welcome to the Be Great 8-Man Football Coaching Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the 8-Man Football Coaching community. I'm your host, Scott McCarty. Here we discuss scheme, program building, team culture, and building and spreading the game of 8-Man Football. This podcast is brought to you by Anywhere Apparel. Are you looking for custom screen printed and embroidered gear for your team, coaches, and fans? Contact Anywhere Apparel. That's Anywhere, A-N-Y-W-E-A-R Apparel. We have access to all the great brands and items that will have your team looking their best. We are a locally owned small business that works with teams, businesses, and individuals. Next time you need custom apparel, make Anywhere Apparel your go-to. Contact Anywhere Apparel at art.anywhereapp at gmail.com. That's A-R-T dot A-N-Y-W-E-A-R-A-P-P at gmail.com or on the phone at 319-385-1763. Today's guest on the Be Great podcast is Coach Kyle Kimball of Pomeroy High School in the state of Washington. Coach brings his 23 total years of coaching experience, seven and eight man, to the show where he will discuss his unbalanced single wing offense and his dominant defense. Coach comes to us through many stops. He started his football journey at Pomeroy High School and started coaching soon after as a volunteer at Colfax Junior High. He went to Colton High School, Mount Baker High School, and then to Grand Union in Oregon. Coach went to Washington then to coach at Liberty High School in the mid-2000s to 2014. From there, he was hired as an assistant at Pomeroy in 2015 and has been the head coach since 2016. Coach is currently third in the total wins in his school's history with 39. His teams have made the playoffs in 2016, 2019, 21, and 22. In 2021, they were 10-0 and were district champions. Coach's unbalanced single-wing attack seems to be hard to stop. In 2021... They averaged 62.2 points per game, had running clock on every opponent until the playoffs, and had four shutouts. In 2022, they averaged 51.3 points per game, running clock seven opponents, shut out five opponents, and only gave up one touchdown at home. I'm excited to talk to Coach to see what he can share with us about dominating on both sides of the ball. Please help me in welcoming Coach Kyle Kimball to the podcast. It's great to be here. Um, So uh, let's get started here. Um, Let's talk about some of the guys that uh, helped you. Um, throughout your career, you've ranged everywhere from a youth coach uh, to assistant coaches, now to a head coach. Um, there had to be some some uh, people along the way that helped get you where you are. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as I was going through my football journey, uh, I didn't realize how good these guys were until you've actually been a head coach for a while. Then you realize all of the, the things that they passed on to you that you're able to use in your own program. Um, I started with Mike Gwynn. Uh, he was my head football coach in high school. Uh, tremendous coach, tremendous football coach. He's the best non-teacher coach that I've ever been around. He was a farmer in our community, um, decided to be a, a head football coach for us. And, and he, we lost a lot of football games early with him because he was trying to build our program. And by the time we graduated as seniors, um, he'd built a, 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 pr- a pretty good program at, at Pomeroy. Um, he is the winningest coach in Pomeroy Pirate history. Um, and again, still the best non-teacher coach I've ever been around. Um, he knew how to, how to motivate players um, without having any educational background, which is pretty amazing. Um, next guy that, that really had a major impact on me uh, was Ron Lepper at, uh, at Mount Baker High School. Uh, that was my first, first teaching job, uh, and, and he took me in. I was only there one year. Uh, however, the, the way that he had his family atmosphere with his program, the way that he he ran uh, the wing tee, uh, he was a wing tee football coach uh, through and through. 
the things that he did with those boys and, and was able to get them to, to do uh, through the motivational techniques that he used. Um, you know, I still use a lot of that stuff today in our program. Uh, and he just this last year got his 200th win, which is a huge deal um, in the state of Washington. Uh, so, I mean, tremendous football coach to, to, to be coaching that long and to have that many victories. Um, the next guy isn't even a, a football coach. Uh, when I went to Oregon for those two years uh, at Grant Union, um, I was also an assistant baseball coach, and I picked up a lot of, of coaching techniques, a lot of uh, motivational techniques from Art Tunnell, who's the winningest baseball coach in Oregon State history. Uh, and, and just being able to be in that kind of a program to where you see um, how to build something, how to sustain um, success throughout time, um, like Art did. Um, I was able to, to, you know, gain a lot of knowledge through through that program as well. I mean, there's been a lot of guys throughout the way. Uh, uh, coach Hobbs uh, at, at Colton when I first got there um, as a volunteer coach, uh, he really taught me a ton. Rod Fletcher, who's a Hall of Fame coach at, at Liberty Spangle. Um, you know, all of those guys have had an impact on what we do today um, and have allowed me to become, uh, you know, to, to be who I am, but, but still um, gave me a lot of valuable lessons along the way. That's great. I mean, it's a wide range of, of people from a non, a non-teacher to, you know, a very, you know, a couple of very successful guys and a baseball coach, you know, that's, you can tell that you're successful because you got a lot of things coming from you. So um, let's talk, just share with us uh, about your school, where it's at, um, you know, how big is it, those kind of things, just so we can kind of get a background of your program. Uh, so Pomeroy junior senior high school is in the very Southeastern corner of the state of Washington. Um, the high school has about a hundred kids in it. Um, in fact, K through 12, we're about 300 students, a little over 300 students, K through 12. Um, so don't have a lot of bodies to choose from. Um, you know, not a lot of tremendous athletes walk in the hallways, uh, of Pomeroy, but we do have great kids. Uh, we've got motivated kids and, and we got guys that like to maximize their potential and work really, really hard. And so we've been pretty lucky that way. Um, you know, and, and to tell you the truth, Pomeroy's not really hasn't really been known until the last few years for their football prowess. Um, you know, the the winningest football coach in history, Coach Gwynn, uh, he only has 58 or 59 wins. That's it. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of guys that that, you know, have 100, 100 wins at all. I mean, that's that's just not the success um, successful program in our in our area. And, and we've been very fortunate the last few years to be able to turn that tide. And Pomeroy is known as a football football town now a little bit and, and has been a lot of fun to uh, to kind of get get kids motivated and, and uh, uh, to be able to play with some enthusiasm and some intensity. That's that's great. That's uh, so um, how are you classified as eight man? How do you how does that work in the state of Washington there? <laughs> So there are six classifications in the state of Washington. Um, there's one B, which is the smallest, and that would be eight-man schools. Um, that is 105 or less uh, students uh, in, in your school. Anything above, so 105 to like uh, just a tick over 200 would be a 2B school, and those are 11-man schools. And then there's 1A, 2A, 3A, gotcha. and 4A. 4A would be the largest classification. Gotcha. Yeah, that's very similar to uh, Iowa, just different. I mean, we go, ours is actually just called eight man. And then we go mm -hmm. one, two, three, four. And I think we even have a five. I think we have seven classes now, but. Um, and we play a lot of, we play in some of our non-league games because we're so close to Idaho. We play some non-league games against Idaho and they actually have two eight man classifications. They have a small school eight man classification yep. and a large school eight man classification. Um, 
which is kind of nice for us to be able to, to cherry pick some non-league games if we need them uh, across the border and, and be able to play some good, good talented yeah. schools uh, there as well. Absolutely. Well, talking about talented schools, you seem to have one here rolling in the right direction. Um, I want to dive right into the offense. Um, you say in the questionnaire thing, you told me you're unbalanced single wing. Uh, we had a guy back from Nebraska in the first season in Delano from uh, uh, in Nebraska, like I said, runs the unbalanced single wing. I'm very intrigued by it. We took some of his stuff and ran it with uh, as our two point conversion program or, you know, program or, you know, game plan or whatever. Um, first, I just want to start off with with your why. Why do you run it? Um, is it something that you are comfortable with? Did you run it? Um, you know, what's your why there? Is it make you uh, just unique? Are you, you know, do other teams run it and you're just better than everybody else? You know, just kind of a little bit of that stuff behind it. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I, when I played in high school, we were a wishbone, wing bone type of team. I've, I've coached in everything from the wishbone, wing tee. Um, when I was in Oregon, that, that school was a trapping style eye offense. Um, you know, when I first got to Pomeroy, the head coach uh, before me, he was like a spread option guy. Uh, and, and, but when I was at Liberty, uh, in Spangle, we had a really, really good running quarterback. Um, and, and we wanted to do something that was different. Uh, we didn't have a lot of other dudes around him. We had some big, big hogs up front, uh, that we wanted to be able to utilize as well. And so, um, we watched a team in the state finals called Ferndale high school. And they were a three, a school at the time. And they had a guy named Jake locker that ran the wing T well, they used him like a single wing quarterback. And so we talked with the head coach at the time, Jamie Plankovich, and we got some ideas, uh, but we didn't want to run wing T. Uh, we wanted to, to be a little bit different. We didn't think we had the other backs around him. And so what we ended up deciding on was to go with the single wing. Um, and so that running quarterback at Liberty in 11 man is what helped us to, uh, to decide that we were going to go single wing. So we ran that for four or five years at, at Liberty. Um, and then in 2010, uh, they let our whole coaching staff go. And so then I went into the youth program for about four years running the new high school coaches offense, because I think that that's important is to run the new offense. Right. Um, and then I moved, moved back to Pomeroy. And when I got the head coaching job, I knew that I wanted to run unbalanced single wing. And I, I didn't even know if there was an eight man team in the country that did it. I thought that there probably was. And so I reached out to, to a few people that I knew and I've got some film and, and that's kind of how we did it. Um, now, the reason that we run it, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reasons that we run unbalanced single wing. Um, you know, if we can't be good, we got to be different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I don't have a bunch of D1 or even NAI athletes, you know, walking the hallways here, um, we're going to build them as best we can in the weight room. But we're also going to try to be different and hard to prepare for. Um you know, after that podcast you, that you were talking about with Coach Del Delano uh, at Cross County in Nebraska, I reached out to him and I've got – I'm a single wing junkie. I mean, if there's a playbook out there, I've got it. If if there's an eight-man team running it, I will fanboy them until I get huddle <laughs> film. I mean, I will – I will, I will beg them for huddle film and I've got tons of huddle film on, on other guys and their philosophy on how they run the single wing, just to see if there's something that right. we can utilize. Um, and they're, they're happy. I mean, cause we're, we're like unicorns. There aren't very many of us. Right. And so, um, because we're that different, um, I, I feel like it makes us hard to prepare for, um, those, those coaches that, that are really, really good and really prepare, um, they're going to be prepared. 
Uh, but those that don't and have really good athletes, their kids are going to be outmatched and confused for a while until until their athleticism kicks in. And so I think we can get a jump on some teams that, that aren't as prepared. Um, you know, our unbalanced formations that we run, um, we have some really weird formations that we run and still keep the single wing, uh, you know, philosophy. Uh, that stuff is hard for kids to identify quickly. Um, you know, I don't have to fool the defensive coordinator. I just have to fool the kids on the field. Right. And so um, if I can make them see something that, that, you know, they, their scout team didn't line up correctly in practice and we line up in it and get them out of position that, that helps us out. Um, you know, the other thing about the single wing that I think is amazing is that it is, in my opinion, it is one of the best formations to be able to run misdirection to both boundaries and the middle at the same time. If you run spin series, you have to, and, and we play on a big field, right? We're on a normal high school football field. Okay. And so if you're running spin, they have to, they have to cover sideline to sideline. And if you run a quarterback spin, they got to cover the middle and that's all one play for us. And so that, you know, those teams that are running air raid and spreading the field that way, we spread it differently. We start compressed and right. then we make your defense move and expand when we run spin. And then it also maximizes the power because our quarterback now becomes a, a, a blocker or a runner. They have to account for him. He's not just handing a football off and not doing anything. Right. If, if we're running spin, they've got to account for him as a potential runner. And if we're running power, he's either blocking or carrying the football. Um, so they've got to, they've got to, you know, match up for that as well. Um, and it, it's what we know, you know, when I first pitched this to my assistant coach, I played football with one of my assistants, Chris Field. He and I played high school football. We graduated together and we joked around when we graduated from high school that we were going to come back to Pomeroy and coach together. You know, it was just a joke when we were 18 right. years old. Uh, but when we are, we come back here, you know, and we're both 40 year olds and that really came true. It was pretty yeah. amazing. Um, and, but he was, he was confused. He didn't, he didn't understand the single wing until about three weeks into our practice, but now it's what we know and it's what we know how to fix. And so if a team does something different to us, we're, we're able to fix it um, hopefully faster than you can fix your defense. And, and, you know, when teams come up against us, uh, the other thing that we, that we see a lot is that our opponents, because of the success we've had the last few years, our opponents will try to change their defense to match what we do um, rather than stay in something that they're comfortable with. Let's say that they're a three, two defense and, and they play, you know, a cover three shell behind it. Um, instead of staying in that three, two, they don't think that they can match up against us. So they're going to run something different. And anytime right. you make your kids run something different and run something that you aren't, um, they're not going to be comfortable in it. And we feel like we have the advantage. Um you know, which cannot for us can also be a disadvantage because we have no idea what what uh, defense we're going to see week to week. Um, and then lastly, I think that that physical mindset of single wing, especially single wing power, which is what we hang our hat on, which I think most single wing teams do, um, gives your program an identity. Um, you know, our kids are proud of what we do. They they get behind um, our offense and and what we do. And then that physical mindset, uh, you know, jumps the football to the defensive side and and even to special teams. And mm -hmm. that physical mindset is, is there, you know, a lot of teams that run run spread and, and are pass protected and their O linemen are backpedaling all day long. Right. 
on one side of the ball. And then they're the next thing you're asking them to do is to get after the quarterback on the other side of the ball. Sometimes they can't flip that, flip that switch. Whereas our kids are playing downhill all the time. Yeah. I, I agree with that. When, like I said, we, we run that and sometimes we'll pull it out in the middle of the field and it's, it's hard for kids, like you said, to line up and your kids, they pin their ears back because they know where they're going. Um, mm-hmm. So you talk about the, uh, some teams kind of junk defense you a little bit. Um, or they get out. Maybe that's not the right, but you know what I'm talking about. They'll go. Oh, from, I know exactly. Like what you said a three about. man front. All of a sudden, they're in a six man front, or you know, a two yep. two down line. Just wild. Um, I assume you know because you're not deviating very much from what you do, right? It's very. Um, I, I don't. I'm not even use the term simple as a bad thing, right? But it's a simple thing for you guys. Um, you could probably throw six or seven different fronts at your kids from Monday through Thursday. And you pretty much cover the gamut. So even if they show up in something like that, you're good to go on a Friday. Is that correct? Right, correct. And and we practice a lot of different fronts. When we put our on Monday, we put our scouting report in for the week. I know a lot of teams will do that on Tuesday, but our coaches meet on Sunday nights um, for about an hour, and we go over the film that we've watched of our opponent. Okay. Because um, our coaching staff, I, I give our coaches Saturday off. Um, Sunday on their own, they watch film and they come with their own ideas. And then when we meet with our, our staff on, on Sunday, we talk about, okay, these are the fronts that we've seen against double tight teams, especially if we've, you know, if they've played one, if they played a spread team, we're just guessing. I mean, it's, it's a scientific wild guess every, every week, really. Right. Um, and, and then we're, when we tell our kids on Monday, this is what they've shown. However, we don't know what they're going to be at and, or this is what we think they had success with us last year against, you know, if they stoned us a couple times on, on our power play and the six man front. Okay. We think they're going to come out in, right. in this front. Um, almost every adjustment that a defensive coordinator is going to make to try to stop our power play. Isn't going to be sound against something, right? right. Whether it's, they're not going to be sound against counter. They're not going to be sound against a weak side, a weak side sweep. They're not going to be sound against a pass. And so if we can find what, where they're not sound, then we're going to take advantage of it. Uh, so I assume that comes with a little bit of self-scouting then on your own, you know, when you've become uh, running a lot of power, um, you know, and, and what the other guys, they're looking for you, you're able to have that counter in your bag. Let's talk about um, a little bit about your base plays. Um, like you said, your uh, power is your, is your go-to. Um, so kind of maybe talk us through like day one of install, what does, uh, the formation look like? And then kind of just walk us through a little bit of the X nose of power play. Okay. So our, our formations, we call them by color essentially. And there's, there can be other tags, but, um, our color for, for colors for our school are orange and black. And so orange would be our unbalanced right formation. Um, and so we would take both of our guards and we would put them to the right side of the center. Uh, my tight end, my black tight end would be my left tight end, and he would be right next to the center where a normal guard would be. And then my orange tight end would be uh, on the heavy right-hand side all the way out there. So we'd have three three down linemen on one side and one down lineman on the other side of the center. Um, and they are, we, you know, we try to put their helmet on the hip of the center, line them up across. We're not way, way off the ball, and we're not creeping way up on the right ball. We just – our splits are one foot splits across the line. Um, we go one foot splits. What, uh, what do you and find? Then, um, why is that? Why, why only go one foot? 
So uh, there's a lot of single wing teams that will, that will go foot to foot and in eight man compressed formations like that. I don't like how close that gets one foot is about as close as I want to go. The only exception to that is, is if we find that there's a a really, really good defensive end to our strong side, which there typically is, we will widen our tight end. If we're going to run power, we'll widen him out to try to increase that gap. Um, gotcha. to be able to run through, um, especially if that dude's a, if, if he's a man out there in a stud, um, you know, we'll, we'll still run at him, but we're going to make him a little bit further away from that gap that he needs to be covering. Um, our wing back would then be outside one yard by one yard. So he's a yard off the ball and a yard outside of our tight end. Um, our quarterback is in an orange formation. He would be to the right. And he, he splits the inside leg of the guard with his crotch four yards off the ball, four and a half yards off the ball. Okay. And then my running back is on the left-hand side, and he splits the inside leg of the tight end to that side with his crotch, and his toes are off the heels of the quarterback. Okay. And then we can run power. We can and, and direct snap it to our quarterback or a running back. There, we can run power. We can run spin, um, sweep, counter, all out of that. Uh, so, so that is our or that's our orange formation. If we were to go black, that would just flip everything flip. over to the left hand side. Gotcha. So when you call like the orange uh, tight end, black tight end, orange, does that mean he's your right tight end? Yep, he's always okay. on the right. Even if we're in black, he's always on the right. Okay. All right. So we're in that, we're in orange. Um, go, walk us through how you would block power. I mean, I guess I should have asked if yep. you've been okay talking about it, but I, I'm totally fine with it <laughs> okay. because it's not really surprised. It kind of depends on what teams are doing to us, but there's two, two main blocking schemes that we will run power. Okay. Um, one is our gap on backer scheme. And that is just a big on big, big on big uh, blocking scheme for us. So if there's a man in the gap, they're responsible for him. If there's a man on him, they're responsible for him. And if there's a if there's nobody in the gap and nobody on, then they go to linebacker. Okay. Um, so that would be your lineman's rules. You, if we're running uh, 26 power, so our, we number our backs one through three. So our quarterback is one, running back is two, and wing back is three. And we also number our holes, evens to the right and odds to the left. So we go two, four, six, eight to the right and one, three, five, and seven to the left. And when we flip our line, those don't change. It's always evens to the right and odds right. to the left. Okay. Okay. So if we're running power, okay, we're going to direct snap it to the running back. And, and we're running our gap on backer scheme. Uh, tight end is going to kick out the, the defensive end because that is his. that would be his gap guy, essentially. Okay. Um, and, and then depending on where everybody else is lined up, our, our guards are going to block big on big. Our wing back then folds inside the six hole, and he is going to look for the first bad color to the inside. So probably that middle linebacker. Let's say they're in a 3-3 defense. Okay. Probably that inside linebacker. Quarterback is also going to run through the six hole, and he is going to look for the first bad color to the outside, right? Because that's the angle that gives them the best shot of making a good block. And then our running back is going to run six hole, and he is – looking vertical the best he can to try to get north and south so that is one blocking scheme for us very very simple man on man 
Um, the other scheme that we will use, especially with some of these junk defenses where everybody's up on the line, everybody's blitzing, um, we actually like those a lot because we can displace more people quickly um, if we down block everybody. And so what we do is severe angle blocking. And so what we will do is everybody, all of our linemen, except for our black tight end, will step to the left, essentially, step down. Um, and they're on that track. So they're trying to step on their buddy's toes. And so their foot should be, their toes should be at like a 30 degree angle. And then they're on that track and whatever's on that track is destroyed by them essentially. So if they're running through gaps or if those linemen are, are in those gaps or, or probably a gap responsibility, they should get washed down um, with our, with our linemen. Okay. The backside tight end on that, the black tight end, he will pull through the six hole then well, well our tight end is blocking down but where the six hole used to be right. he would he would pull my wing back tries to influence the defensive end to the outside and then he also down blocks okay so he'll he'll try to release to the outside to make the tight end think or defensive end think that he's going to get hooked so that he widens just a hair and then he down blocks also to try to get to the top edge of that wall that we're building the quarterback then kicks out the defensive end the, the tight end, the black tight end is leading up through the hole like uh, a normal lead blocker would be. And my running back is following him. And that angle for that route should be more of a 45 degree angle to the sideline. That's what we've found is that he's got to be, as we're building that wall with that down block, he's got to be on the back side of that wall. So the angle is more to the sideline with that particular blocking scheme. And again, those junk defenses that we see, we will, we will typically run more severe angle blocking than we will big on big. Right. And it, some of it depends on what kind of, what kind of lineman I have and what kind of lineman they have. Um, yeah. You know, if I, if I see a big bubble in a, in their scheme, if they're not shifting their nose guard over and there's two linebackers in the six hole, we're going to run, we're going to run big on big and we're going to take advantage of it right away versus trying to wash people down. All right. So um, say you do run into a team. Um, they're able to stop that a little bit um, or you're not getting what you want out of it. What is um, either a counter run to that or play action um, that you go from there? So we've got, we've got a counter to it. So what would happen there is we would run a counter to the backside. We would direct snap it to the running back again. Um, quarterback this time, instead of running six hole, he's got to run more eight hole because we're going to run an inside handoff, kind of like a crisscross on the old wing tee. We're going to run an inside handoff off to our wing back and we're going to run it more one hole um so as soon as he gets the handoff from our running back mm -hmm. he puts his foot in the ground and he gets vertical um, because we're blocking the we're, what we're doing is we're taking that defensive end on the on the short on the nub side and we're going to kick him out um you know and then everybody else is base blocking the back side we don't severe angle block that because it's a heck of a lot harder to do that do it to the nub side Right. Um, and then we've had a lot of success with that. In fact, um, you know, there's a, a, a record book that we keep for um, Pomeroy football stats. So that's how I know who, how many coaches or how many wins each coach has. Right. Um, uh, this last season, we had the longest run in pirate football history, a 96-yard run. And this includes 11, 100 years of football history, a 96-yard run we got on a counter play. Oh, nice. Um, against, I yeah, suppose, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you have everybody so, selling out on that power. Yep, and we were backed up. I mean, obviously, we were backed up 
towards our own end zone. And so they were, they were bringing the house and we had one guy in the wrong spot and we ended up busting at 96 yards. Um, play action wise. What we'll do is we will actually direct snap it to our running back again, and we will make it look like um, that severe angle blocking. My wing back will, will kind of outside release like he's going to down block. And then he will run vertical. He'll run a, what we call an eight or a nine. He'll run a vertical. My quarterback will run like he is going to block the defensive end, and then he'll run a flat route. And that guy is always open. The, the quarterback is always open. And my running back just has to get it out to that flat route. He catches the football. He runs flat along the line and then dumps it out to that flat route. route and that's an easy play action pass, um, you know, for us. And, and, you know, every once in a while he'll try to hit the deep route and, and uh you know, it's either a home run or an interception. Those are our two, right. two, two things that usually yeah. happen to the deep route. Okay, perfect. So we got the, the base formation, we got the the run and the play action there. Is there um do you ever get like uh crazy funky with anything? I mean, you got like tight end handoffs or you know, anything like that to get those guys involved in that or we'll we'll run some shovel pass to our tight ends. That's as close as thing. We used to run a tight end spin. Like when I first started running this offense here with an eight man. We would actually call like a 46 or 47 spin. Um, and the four back would have been our tight end. Okay. But now we just we run a shovel pass to him and we feel like it's a, a little more effective for us. Um, and, and we'll run it, you know, probably five times a season. Uh, okay. And we have decent success with it. I'm running that shovel pass. And, you know, our, our play action passes um, are usually home run balls. Right. Um, to our tight ends uh, because teams when they when they try to stop our run if we take two two steps to the line and they'll just the, it's like they're blind to that tight end releasing on a on a deep right. route and he's wide open and so we get a lot of home run balls to those guys um, uh, you know I assume the, the run pass ratio is about 95 <laughs> to 5 uh, we, we throw it a little bit more than that okay but, uh, okay you know, we're not like that. There was a single wing team in California this year that completed zero passes and won their regional championship. They only attempted three right here. <laughs> and I actually watched film of them. They were pretty dang good at it. Oh, I mean, man. you're not going to win your regional championship without doing it, but um, yeah, we, we throw the ball a little bit. Um, I think last season with, you know, that 10 and 0 year uh, we threw for almost a thousand yards. Now, granted, I had a, right. a stud at quarterback. Um, he was our leading rusher. Leading pat, he's a, he's the leading scorer in pirate history by a long ways. There's not anybody even close to second. In fact, uh, Coach Gwynn, my head football coach in high school, it's his grandson. Oh, um, it's in the blood. So yeah, and he's a, he's a heck of a foot. He's the best football player I've ever coached, um, and he made us really really good. And uh, so he yeah, we ran the ball pretty well with him, and he was able to throw it. He actually caught caught three touchdown passes too last year in that play action out of the backfield. So nice, nice. Yep. One. All right, coach. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing with this kind of offense, right? You get those home run balls. You know, they talk about. I mean, we. Um, I was a flex bone guy when we coached eleven man, um, and I, I studied Georgia Tech a ton. Um, and uh, Megan Megatron, right? He played at Georgia Tech. Um, and that yep. guy, you know, he's he's that kind of guy. You know, he he didn't get the ball, but maybe five six times a game. Uh, but when they were, they were 60, 70 yard passes, and and that's what. <laughs> you get with these plays and, and I love these. I, I'm very intrigued by these. Um, I don't have much experience uh, ever playing in these offenses, but um, I was a quarterback growing up. So this doesn't like appeal to me as a quarterback, um, but, 
Um, I, I, as a coach, I love it. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I think it's great stuff, but uh, yeah. um, you, you couldn't sell me on that, we that get into California our... team where three passes in a game that, that you wouldn't have sold me as yeah, a quarterback or yeah. kicking out a defensive That's... end. That wasn't who I was either. No, we run a lot of uh, beast formation too, which is uh, gotcha. you take the wing wing back and you put him put him in the uh, C gap, and you take your running back and you put him in B gap, and then my quarterback is right behind the center and want to run a lot of power with him right there. So if you're not yeah. willing to mix it up, right, uh, uh, make, mix it up a little bit. In, you're not... in in 2020. I got a kid that is a pretty good athlete, and we ran some of this in 2020, and we had limited success just because we we had no we didn't have a true quarterback. We couldn't throw the ball. Um, and so we had to go to like this two quarterback run the ball 90% of the time and it was good, but, and then teams just stacked the box on us and we weren't good enough, uh, you know, to have success, but I, I am so intrigued by this stuff. Um, I'm glad yeah. nobody runs this that is around here. I'll tell you that, but let's talk about defense a little bit. Um, and, you know, and there's the people injury. who wish we didn't. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about your defense, right? Nine shutouts in the last two seasons. Um, you know, what do you consider your, your base? Are you guys like a three, three, a four front, a two front? Um, what do you consider your base? Uh, we're a three, three cover zero team. So we're man to man. Um, and, uh, front. um, we blitz a little bit, um, not a lot. We just like to line up and, and know what you're going to do. Um, I think the secret to our success is how well we scout our opponent, um, our coaches have really, really good ideas when we come to, to scout on on uh, Sunday nights, and I feel like we're we're really good at teaching it to the boys throughout the week, and we get a lot of reps during the week. Um, some things that we do that that a lot of people won't. Um, number one, everybody's going to tell you who their best player is, right? So we yep. we tell our boys who the best player is. And because we're small school in southeastern Washington, everybody knows each other's names, right? Right. But we don't use names when we're talking about it. We use numbers. And that's a Bobby Bowden thing. Um, you know, he, he, he played against some of the best NFL guys, you know, in college football ever. And right. he would never use a name. He would always use a number because it dehumanizes him. And so we always refer to him by number. Uh, we find everything out about that team that we can possibly find out um, because we're, if you've ever read the art of war um, by Sun Tzu, if you know your enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of 10,000 battles. And so we are going to know our enemy better than they know themselves. So our kids know their formations. They know their, what defenses they run. They know what they run out of certain formations. They know their best players. If they move that best player around, we have a call on the field, you know, because a lot of teams, if they get desperate, they'll take their quarterback and run, line him up at tight end because yep. he's also the fastest player on the field. They need to complete a pass. I mean, our kids are smart and they understand how to what teams are trying to do to us. Um, in our conditioning during the week, um, our Wednesday conditioning, we call it Nevada Jeopardies. Don't ask me why we call it Nevada. I have no idea. But Jeopardies means we ask questions of them. So – um, we start out, we run a hundred yard, a hundred yard gasser. Okay. And if everybody's effort is good, the coach on that end will walk them up five yards, meaning that now the next gasser is only 95 yards, but I'll ask them a question. I will say, Hey, who is such and such team's best, best player on offense? And I will ask a specific kid, usually not a starter because all the starters are already going to know that because they've been playing it all week. I will ask the last kid freshman off the bench gotcha. what what their best player is if he answers it correctly they move up five yards 
Then they'll run 90 yards the other way. And then they will move up five if their effort is good. And then I'll ask them a question on that end. What are their school colors? Okay, nice. If they can answer it, then I move up. Then we'll run, you know, now we're down to 80 yards. And then I'll ask them another question. Uh, Who was Coach Field's girlfriend in high school? Because you got to know yourself, right? So our kids have to know about our coaches. And so they will, they will, if they answer that correctly, then they move up another five yards. And so we do that back and forth. Now, granted, I'll ask them some obscure stuff like, uh, who did they lose to last week? Right. What team did they lose to last week? Or, um, you know, just some, who was the winningest football coach in pirate history? They have to know about our program as much as they know about somebody else's program. And I think that the way that we run that particular conditioning, especially, and our kids know it's coming on Wednesday. It's the last thing we do before our, what we call our fire drill practice on Thursday. Um, And so they, they take notes. I mean, they're, they're quizzing each other as they're, as they're going to practice that day. And and throughout practice, they're, they're making sure that that last freshman knows that the mascot of the next team we're playing is the Tigers and that their colors are orange and black. I mean, that's, that's how it works. So um, I, I think that that, that that helps. Yeah. That is so, and so cool. I, <laughs> I stole that. I stole that along the way. That was one of those conditionings that we've, yeah. that we've done And the kids. It, it breaks, it breaks your conditioning up. They hate it. I mean, they, they do right. not like the gassers part, but they understand at the end of it that we have to know everything about ourselves and our opponent. If we put a new play in or a new formation in, I will always ask them about that particular play or formation. Um, also during that and no, and no history like did you run that as a player or did you pick it up as you were going was that a a, a pomeroy thing when you got so there or? that no that was not a pomeroy thing i actually picked that up from a coach that i coached with at liberty spangle uh rick johnson was the guy's name and he ran i think he called him new hampshire jeopardies if i remember right but we yeah. for some reason we changed them to nevada i don't know why i i love it those those will be brought to winfield by union in iowa i'll tell you that that's that's yeah. awesome. Well, I, knew, I mean, what a great idea, right? I mean, you can make yeah. kids think under pressure. They're tired. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many things about that. It's like in basketball, you know, you, you do the one-on-ones, you make kids run a ones, everybody runs, the right. next person shoots. Like, I absolutely love that. Right. And, and you're getting the mental part of it. And I love the know yourself thing too. Um, yep. You know, they always talk about, it. it reminds me of the movie, uh, Remember the Titans, right? How they have to get to know each other uh, and that kind of thing. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit, but just about. So you run, you're a three-three cover zero team. Um, what makes you, uh, you know, what are some everyday drills you do, or um, you know, maybe tackling? Like, what's what's something that maybe sets you apart um, outside? I mean, obviously, this is great stuff, right? Kids know where everybody is on the field, and that's part of it, right? Alignment is such a big deal. But what's physically something you guys can do, or you could share with the people that listen? Um, you know, a couple drills here. Or there. Well, you know, I don't think, I don't know that we do anything special drill wise um, that, that nobody else does. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, we do our normal, you know, shed and tackle drills for, for linebackers. Um, we're a, we're a, a rugby tackling team or a hawk tackling team um, as far as goes. And so we do some gator tackles. We do a lot of hip tracking um, when we, when we do our tackling drills. Um, but I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary or special. I think the things that we do to prepare our kids, our kids, I mean, they're in the huddle of the opponent. I mean, that's the way it seems, especially early in a game because coaches, when they call a game, um, you know, they, 
get, they get very, they're creatures of habit and I'm the same right. way. Right. I mean, I can, right. my kids that have been with me for four years, they know what the next play call is going to be because they understand how I call a game. Yep. Um, and so um, because of that, uh, because we are creatures of habit, if we can figure that out, do game films and, and the bit thing is not that we figure it out. It's that we teach that to our kids. Um, I think that the way we teach our scout team, um, Drew, when we do our skelly. Hold up, coach. I'm... Okay. When we, uh, when we're, when we do our skelly and our inside run game, um, I think our kids are, are the way we coach it and the coach them to recognize and the way we teach it. Um, we teach it a formation at a time. Um, and then on Wednesdays we mix it up. Um, and, and I think that that, the way that we teach it is, is what's different. I don't think that it's okay. the drills that we do that are different. It's how we teach our kids to recognize it. That might be a little bit different. Um, so, and then another, uh, another thing that, that I think that we do that might be different than most is we do what we call fire drill on, on uh, Thursday. Okay. Um, and just like a fire drill in your school to prepare you for, to prepare you to exit the school, um, our fire drill practice is to prepare us for every situation that could happen in a football game. So it's a, it's a scripted scrimmage for us. We do starting line. We do our warmups before game pregame with music. I mean, we've got music playing the whole time because there needs to be some distraction. Um, Then we uh, will do the starting lineups, national anthem. Um, We'll do all of that because I want our kids to, not be surprised by anything. Right. Right. So right. we, yeah. we practice, this is how you hold your helmet. This is how, I mean, when we're on the sidelines, this is what you do. This is the starting lineups. If we're on the road, it's the defense. If we're at home, it's the offense. Right. And then we do our scripted scrimmage. So we start out with kickoff return and then we, we move the ball down the field and then we do a fake punt and then we play defense for a little while. And then we move the ball down the field again and we score. Um, and then we'll do kickoff yeah. return so it's a scripted scrimmage. We even go as far to, I mean, we'll t- punt, take a safety. Like we'll actually take a safety late in our fire drill so that our kids have practiced it before. We'll kick off from the 20 so that our kids have practiced it before. Right. Um, we will even do a fair catch team. Um, so if your opponent is punting out of the, their own end zone and you fair catch the football, you can free kick it from that spot. We practice that every Thursday yeah. just in case it happens in a game. I, I bet at some point that's going to win you a game, and it's going to be a well, big game. I can guarantee bo- at some point in your career. I hope so. The boys always ask me, why do we do this? And I'm like, so that I can use this once in my coaching career. <laughs> right? I love it. And then, I love it. Yeah. And then we, and then we, uh, you know, we do hands team, onside kick. We, we practice our, our victory formation, what we call pirate eye. Um, we do, and we, we practice, you know, our no huddle the whole time because that's where a no huddle team also. Um, so it, it is a scripted scrimmage all the time. The music is playing as a kind of a distraction. So the boys have to listen through crowd noise and, and, you know, excitement on the sidelines and that kind of thing. So, um, I think fire drill is something that that's another thing that I stole from another coach that, that I've modified over time. That is really, really good for us. Um, real quick, I want to hit on, uh, you said you're no huddle. A lot of people think no huddle as a speed up game. When I hear single unbalanced wing, I think clock churning team. Um, how do you <laughs> explain that? We got a contrast of thoughts here in my head. Can you, can you explain that to me? Uh, you know, 
I just, again, it comes down to one of those things that I wanted to be different. Um, we have to be different in what we do. And if I'm exchanging film with somebody, a lot of times they have no idea that we're no huddle. I mean, just uh, because on film on huddle, you see it play and then play and then play. You don't, uh-huh. you don't see them coming up in and out of the huddle. So um, it is, it is, uh, it makes us different and our boys are in shape because of it. And I, I think the biggest valuable thing from going no huddle is that we actually get more reps at practice because of it. Yeah. Um, we don't huddle at practice and I, you know, the only time we'll huddle at practice is if I want to call a play and I don't want our defense to know what it is, you know, because our scout team, a lot of our scout team players are good. I mean, that's why we were able to pitch nine shutouts when, when the clock is running, we sub our kids in and they're still really good players on the field. Right. And so because, because of that, um, we're able to, to, you know, they can, they can know what, if I call, you know, if I call, uh, you know, Stanford, they know what that play is. And right. so because of that, uh, they're able to cheat a little bit and make a play that they normally wouldn't play because they're not doing their responsibility. So we'll I'll huddle every once in a while they're in practice, but we're the worst huddling team in the state of Washington. I guarantee it because <laughs> we never do it. Um, so you don't huddle for tempo? Do you, or are you just, uh, we do. For, yeah, you huddle for tempo or no huddle, excuse me, no huddle for tempo. Uh, yeah, we, we want to speed the game up uh, for us. We want a lot of, we want to, we want a lot of plays. Um, okay. We're not one that'll try to get a playoff every 16 seconds, you know, like, right. like a lot of teams. Um, we just want teams. If, if you don't get lined up correctly and we rip off a 15 yard run, guess what? We're going to line up fast and we're probably going to run right. the same play again. And that's tempo to me. Okay. Um, I make, I may call a counter out of it. I may, may call the same play, but um you know, I just want our kids to not have to think. They just listen for my call, and then boom, they go. So, I just I can't imagine how over twenty three years of coaching, how much time of my life I've wasted in a huddle. And now that we've gone no huddle, it's practices are faster, yeah. they're more fun, and they seem more worthwhile for me and to to kids too. So, that's perfect. I love that. I love that. That's, <laughs> I've always toyed with it, and and I I, I think it's about where you go, um, you know, so you can see where the defense is and, and do that. But all right, this brings us to the, the point uh, where I ask all the coaches, what is the main thing for the Pomeroy <laughs> Pirate football team? And then how do you keep that the main thing? Uh, so for us, the main thing for Pomeroy Pirate football is family. Um, we, I mean, a lot of us are family anyway. It is a small town. And so there are a lot of guys that are related, but um, we're able to bring kids into our um you know, our program that don't have anybody that, that don't have a stable home and we're able to make them part of something. Um, and the way that we keep that going, you know, our, our youth program, uh, my wife and I started our youth program about five years ago. Um, and the sixth graders that were in that program are going to be seniors next year. And it is amazing. Our, our youth program through high school seniors run the same offense. That's awesome. And they're coached by the same and they're, they're coached by the same coaches. Um, my assistant and myself and both junior high coaches, all four of us coach the youth program. Nice. And so awesome. that is, that is critical for us to be able to, to maintain our success. And, and they're all running the same offense. They have all hearing the same drills, the same coaches say the same things. And so it is, 
it has been super valuable for us. And that's, that's really how we started to be successful is because those kids got old and they understand what it, what it's like to be coached with intensity, what they understand what it's like yep. to be coached and to be a part of the family. Um, the other thing that we do is, is we, we eat together. We break bread together twice a week um, with our boys, um, whether it's a, a pregame meal at coach field's house or, or our family dinner after our, our, uh, our Thursday fire drill that the moms, moms and dads make. Yep. Um, but we eat together twice a week. And, and I think that that, that helps build that family as well. So between the youth program, junior high program and, and, and having, having uh, food together, I think that that's something that no other program in our school can do, even if they tried. I mean, they, right. it's just an impossible task for them to, to be able to try to create that family and, and to get your boys to, to go above and beyond for you is, is kind of what we're after. At the end of the day, we want to make better men. And, and I think that, that this family atmosphere that we've been able to build has been, been the way to do it. Yeah. That, I mean, I love that. The, I think every football team does at least one meal together, right They're, They do the Thursday meals. And I like the, the second somehow to get together. I saw a guy, on Twitter, they do uh, two slice Tuesday. They get businesses to to buy pizzas, and they get two oh, pieces awesome. of pizza on Tuesday. They leave practice, they grab two slices of pizza, you know, and the kids stand around and eat it. You know, they're not taking an hour or anything. They just a quick right, right, quick grab. And and I was like, you know what? I really like that. You know, in the small school, we got a a gas station in town that makes pizza, a local pizza pizza place. I love it. You know, that might be something, but that's that's that's, that's cool. a good idea. I like that. Um, all right. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, learn more about the single wing, um, no huddle, you know, all these things, they want to talk a little bit about, about the Nevada jeopardies. God, I love that coach. Uh, <laughs> uh, how can, how can they get a hold of you um, and continue this conversation? Uh, they can reach me at my email, which is coach Kimball, all one word, K I M B L E at gmail.com. And, or they can call me on my cell phone. Uh, you know, I'm a caller, a texter, whatever. Uh, 509-566-7067 is my number. All right. Perfect. Well, coach, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know we had a, a big time difference here between you out in Washington and I'm in Iowa. So, um, I appreciate it and, and thank you for making the time for us and for these guys. And I hope they reach out to you and learn more about it. So thank you and uh, take care, coach. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Be Great 8-Man Football Coaches Podcast. Hopefully you got at least 1% better from listening to this episode. Please share the podcast and leave a review if you enjoyed the content and learned something from it. You can follow us on Twitter at BEGR8FCP. That's at BEGREATFCP. Or send us an email at begreatfcp at gmail.com. That's B-E-G-R-8 F-C-P, the number eight on both of those. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing and to be great.